our next guest has been following the NDP leadership race uh, closely and has been very busy since the BC NDP's chief electoral officer called for the party to disqualify Anjali Apadurai from the leadership campaign, clearing the way for David Eby to be the next premier. He will be declared the winner tomorrow at 9.30 a.m. Joining me now to make sense of what has transpired today is Rob Shaw, who covers BC politics for Czech News and writes for Glacier Media. Rob, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, the last 24 hours, how would you describe it? Uh, gong show, I think, might be the, uh, the term to use. <laughs> this is the end of a very, very messy, self-inflicted um, leadership race in which the only other candidate against David Eby has now been disqualified, and he, tomorrow morning, will be named officially the BC NDP leader in a bit of a controversial and somewhat tainted process. He's not actually premier yet. He doesn't get sworn into that official position for the next couple of weeks. But um, I think the scene today at the legislature that we're expecting and was playing out in front of us is David Eby getting a standing ovation, appearing virtually in front of the NDP caucus inside the building, and Anjali Apatari, his disqualified rival, holding a press conference outside of it, rallying supporters saying, look at those low, power-hungry, undemocratic New Democrats in there who are tilting the race to David Eby. So quite a a different series of visuals than I think the NDP would would prefer to have on on replacing John Horgan. Does this do any um, long-lasting damage to Mr. Eby and the NDP, what's transpired over the last uh, couple of weeks? It's a pretty good question, and I think, you know... I think there's a good possibility that it doesn't. And if you want to look for precedent in this, you can go back to look at the quick win scandal that occurred in the B.C. Liberal government around the kind of 2012-ish period where it was a huge deal here internally, a lot of kind of machinations and party implosions and whatnot. And then Christy Clark held an election in 2013 and dominated. And I think that's because what, what happens when we focus more on an actual election, and we don't know when the next election will be, in a year or two years, people get more worried about issues that matter to them, pocketbook issues. And so EB's opportunity here is, yes, he's coming in amid scandal, and yes, this is a messy situation, but if he was to offer the public ideas about health care, big swings on crime, you know, he never even unveiled his platform in this race. We have no idea what he's running for. If he comes up with a vision here in his first little bit as premier and he can excite people around it, but he certainly didn't excite the NDP membership around it, then people will likely forget this and, and move on to those big issues. So it's a, But it does add a tiny bit of flavor, a spice in the stew uh, that alters the flavor of the, of the EB premiership uh, over time, that it wasn't started off poorly. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it goes from here is kind of up to him. Uh, in regards to, it, just practically speaking, he won't have a chance to introduce legislation until next spring to bring about some of these changes you're talking about, potentially. No, you know, practically he's in a bit of a, between a rock and a hard place, because he's going to come in um, with two, maybe two weeks left in the session, depending on when he actually gets sworn in as premier. Does he bring in a new cabinet and close the session with brand new cabinet portfolios? Does he leave the old cabinet in place, finish the session? Does he adjourn the session early uh, without passing all the bills and swear in a new cabinet? Those are practical issues. And then the budget, which is due in February, is 
in the final processes of being done. So the question is going to be, can he still influence that and make major changes to spending to line up with whatever his priorities are? And again, we don't know what his priorities are because he never tabled those in the race. So he's going to have to tell people (laughs) what they are and then influence the budget. And then it's likely not enough time to have any legislation ready for the spring unless you're really, really really rushing it. He's sort of got this weird situation where he's going to be premier carrying a lot of the NDP baggage from John Horgan on major files the public's upset about, but unable to execute sort of major reforms and maybe the way he wants. And uh, that'll be the dynamic of his first uh, few months in office. How much damage is caused by this uh, battle with uh, these environmentalists? Uh, the NDP has always been a coalition with three sort of key pillars, uh, social justice, uh, labor, uh, and in the environmental movement. Uh, how much damage is there internally to the party moving forward? Well, I think this is more of a continued break than a new break. And we saw the environmental movement lose a lot of taste for the NDP in the, in the last election, in 2020, the SNAP election, because the NDP hadn't successfully, you know, managed to oppose uh, the um, the Kinder Morgan turned BC government uh, federal government pipeline hadn't managed to stop that. It was embroiled in the coastal gas link pipeline fight with uh, the Wet'suwet'en trying to push that forward. It's approved LNG. It's approved Site C. The environmental movement was not behind the NDP in 2020, and the NDP still won a historic majority. So the NDP doesn't owe that movement anything, and the and the feeling inside the party is we're fine kind of without them. Uh, we've got Metro Vancouver suburban urban voters, middle center voters, which is a question, I guess, um, for the future of the party. But that's that's how they feel. The real problem in this comes from the environmental um, organizations signing up a lot of members for a paderai. Some of them aren't properly signed up, but they are in many of the different ridings that the NDP hold, what we call constituency associations, the riding associations. And those are the people who get to nominate and coordinate the nominations of the next candidates. Basically, what that means is a bunch of uh, Apatari supporters now have a lot of people in powerful positions in ridings to put their own folks in as candidates if they wanted. And now that would mean David Eby would have a tough fight within his party to get his own people that he wants to run to run with him. The question is, will the Apatari crew continue this rebellion for a year or two years quietly behind the scenes, or will they just sort of give up and go away? It depends on how angry they are, I guess. And uh, the worst case scenario is they, they lose what we've been calling the hostile takeover of the NDP, but they start a guerrilla warfare campaign in the individual ridings that make life uncomfortable for incumbent MLAs and cabinet ministers and, and David Eby as we get to the next election. Do you think we'll have an election next spring? I know it's a tough question to answer, uh, especially here in, in October. Uh, but Or do you think he'll wait uh, simply because the economy is uh, supposedly heading into a recession? Does he wait a year or two, or does he, um, does he go in spring? I don't think he goes in the spring. I think... The economy, interest rates, inflation, the end, what we saw in the municipal election, a, a kind of grumpy electorate that's not, not afraid of change and not afraid to push out incumbents and try something new on some big issues like crime. I don't see that spring election, and Eby's kind of said in the past he doesn't want to do it, but all premiers say that until they do it. But I, I think it would be a huge risk to do it in the spring with the electorate and the mood that it's in. The fall of next year, 
maybe that might still be on the table. And then after that, you're basically into the regularly scheduled election year and there's not a lot of point doing it early. So, um, you know, I think this time next year, probably a month earlier, the end of summer, there'll be a lot of chatter about whether he should go and we might be in a different position uh, then. But I, I, I just can't see. I think the risk is too high for them to do it in the spring. Well, interesting times ahead uh, for BC politics, my friend, and I appreciate uh, your time and your coverage as well. Thank you so much, Rob. Okay, take care.